Hello and welcome to the Bliss Career Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything career. I am your host, Dan Solomon, and in this podcast, I am bringing you interviews with people just like you, people who were once in your shoes. I'm also going to be talking with HR managers as well as people who are experts in their various fields. We have a lot of stuff to unpack today, so please sit tight and relax and let's get to it then. Uh, so today I have Aida Ogabi for this session, and it's really crazy, right, that I was able to get her to come on the podcast. So Aida Ogabi, thanks a lot for coming on this podcast. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Awesome, awesome. And Aida is a senior account manager at Google, and she works at Google based in Ireland. I am not going to go further. I'm just going to let her introduce herself and just tell us a bit about her and what she does at the moment, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my name is Aida Ogabi. I'm born and raised in Sweden, but my parents come from Iran. So proud Persian, but also proud Scandinavian. And I'm a senior account manager at Google. I've been working with digital marketing for over eight years now. Prior to that, I was working with hospitality as well. But yeah, currently I work at Google, the headquarters in Ireland, in Dublin. That's the headquarters for EMEA, so Europe, Middle East and Africa. And I've been there for the past four and a half years. Ah, okay. Awesome. Awesome. Do you speak Persian? And so, Absolutely. Ah, okay. Awesome. So, so, yeah. so you're really like multilingual then, right? <laughs> <laughs> My yeah. parents actually sent me to Persian school every Sunday. So I had to go Swedish school Monday to Friday and then Persian school every Sunday to learn how to read and write. And oh my God, did I hate it. So I always used to tell my parents, why do I need to learn Persian and, you know, not just to speak because I could mm. already speak at home. Yeah. Um, but they said, no, 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 no. You need to learn how to read and write. And, you know, they were very proud. And today I cannot thank them enough for that mm. because now I can read, I can write and learning a language that is so different from the Scandinavian and English language has yeah. made me way more receptive to other languages as well. So truly grateful for that. Yeah, it really resonates with me, right? It, it it makes a huge difference, right? If you can speak other languages, super nice. Um, yeah. So before I actually go into what to do at Google in detail, I actually saw that you were recently one of the 18 top talents in Sweden for vertical retail marketing and sales in, a, in the recent Nova 101 list. Um, so, yes. So that, that's really huge, right? Um, how do you feel about that? And, and what does this actually mean, actually? Yes, I'm extremely, extremely humble and proud for this opportunity to be shortlisted with, you know, people who are such incredibly great high achievers mm. um, from Sweden. So what it means is Nova Talent is a talent network that I'm a member of. And this year they decided to create a list called the Nova 111 list of 111. They've had that in Spain recently, but they've now started in Sweden as well. So they have 11 categories where they will announce 10 winners in each category okay. and then one person to be a supernova. So that is the super talent. And these different categories are everything from finance, tech, healthcare, entrepreneurship, and so on and so forth. And I'm currently shortlisted for the category retail and marketing, okay. which I'm extremely proud of. So thank you so much for that, Nova and, and the jury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good, and shout, also, a good shout out. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest shout out definitely goes for all the people who've been supporting me along the way. You know, everything from my family, friends, people in my career, my clients. I really can't thank them enough. 
I've had mm. huge support yeah. throughout my years. Yeah, this is really awesome, right? And uh, yeah, I wish you all the best in that. You did mention that you want to make an impact, right, in the digital marketing industry. And that caught my yeah. attention. I was like, okay, um, first of all, what is digital marketing and what impact do you <laughs> want to make in here? <laughs> so maybe you enlighten us a bit, right? Uh, what is digital marketing? Is it is it related to the traditional marketing that we're used to or is it something completely different? Um, what is this about, actually? I mean, some people associate digital marketing to only be the paid ads that you would normally see online. So, okay. you know, if you would look at old school, we're talking the browsers and but we also have video ads and of course performance advertisement and display and shopping and there's a whole bunch of different types we have influencers mm -hmm. um but what i normally say is you know digital marketing is so much more it's not just the advertisement that we see where brands have paid for their inventory we're also looking at you know what exactly is happening with the business online okay so what I normally call it is, you know, you do have the paid or what I actually, the whole industry calls it that there's paid media and then there's owned media and owned okay. media is everything that is happening online. So when I speak to my clients, for example, at Google and what I've done in the past as well is we don't just necessarily talk about the clients. You should be buying this much inventory to make sure that your brand is shown on different advertisement spots online. Mm -hmm. But also, what is happening with your channels online? Is your website user-friendly? What's the user experience on your website? Is the mobile speed fast enough on your mobile page? How does it work internationally? Because internet is global. But how things happen within different markets and how people use online and the digital marketing, you know, all of that in the different markets are different. Yeah. So... That's what I'm doing currently doing at the moment. But when I'm doing that at the moment, what I realized is we oftentimes talk about when we talk about the digital industry and different industries who are becoming the front runners when it comes to this, it's oftentimes retail. Retail is doing a great job when it comes to that. There's still definitely a lot of work to be done. Okay. But retail is doing really well. And if there's one place that I want to make an impact on, it's the industries that and we can definitely see this now during the pandemic. There's a lot of industry that need help within the digital landscape. We're talking healthcare. We're talking culture and arts. We're talking finance. So while retail is doing a great job, there's still a lot of industries out there who need a lot of help on really understanding the digital landscape, how to get out there. To give an example, one of the things that I'm doing right now is while still working at Google and Google have approved this is that I have a company that I've just launched on site as well, together with a friend who's a choreographer. Okay. And the reason why we did this was because we realized this was even before the pandemic. We realized that the cultural industry, when it comes to music studios and dance studios, the way that they're tutoring and teaching, it's not digital enough. Mm -hmm. There's a lack of e-learning within that field. So that's one thing that we're trying to change. So that's my one step into doing that. But future-wise, I would love to help these other industries to be more digitalized as well. And when I speak to traditional companies, because you just asked, is there a difference between the digital industry and the traditional media? Yes, yeah. absolutely. There's a big difference between them. Digital media or traditional media is you know, what we oftentimes see as out of home or TV or prints or these type of advertisement. And digital industry or digital marketing 
both has a lot of controversy around it with everything that's going on, you know, with privacy and people are a little bit concerned, you know, how much do these brands know about me? And that is definitely one aspect that we need to respect. But another part of digital industry is trying to be as relevant as possible for the users, trying to adapt the ads for the users. Users online don't have as much Oh, I forgot the word. Patience. Users yeah. online. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. Users online, they don't have as much patience to be looking through, you know, a 20-second, 30-second TV ad. Yeah. You know, they have way more control. They can choose to swipe. They can choose to scroll. They can choose to click saying this ad is not relevant for me. They can even choose to block ads completely. Mm. Yeah. So we need to make sure that we are as relevant as possible for the customers out there. So that is one. The second thing that I would say is for advertisers who are a bit afraid of businesses that are a bit afraid of digital marketing. For example, when I have this discussion with my own company, with a lot of different dance studios and music studios, you know, one of the fears that they have is we don't want our industry to be digitalized because that's going to remove the offline experience. And what I really want them to understand, and this goes for a lot of different industries, is it's not a replacement. It's a complement to your business. You know, you need to be both offline and online. You need to have both of those pillars. We've reached an age where you can't have one or the other when it comes mm. to certain industries. Mm. The project you have with digitalizing the, the cultural or the dancing industry, um, that must yes. have really helped, especially now during the pandemic. Um, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Do this um, even online, despite the fact that um, we have, for example, lockdown in Europe, but still they can still do those practices online. Absolutely. And we see a huge growth when it comes to e-learning, not just for the cultural aspect, but mm-hmm. education in general. So education, whether that is you know academic, whether that is within the cultural aspect, we do see that grow a lot, especially during the pandemic. So the whole idea of putting the cultural industry online and creating an e-learning platform for the creative industry. That was just an idea that my friend had. It was just a seed that he just planted in my head over a sushi dinner that we had. And he said, you know what, I'm thinking of creating an e-learning platform because I do see a gap in the industry. And then all of a sudden, little did we know, four months later, the pandemic happened. Mm. And we saw a huge demand for e-learning experiences. People all of a sudden wanted to learn how to do yoga. People all of a sudden wanted to learn how to sing and how to dance and how to, you know, all of these different things. Everything started to move online. And we unfortunately saw a lot of different dance studios and music studios and all of these different hobby activities Mm. shutting down because of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ah, super, super interesting. Yeah. Well, so I, I'm just going to move on a bit, right? From, from yes. Because it's really exciting what, what you're doing in there. <laughs> uh, how did you get into this space? How did you get into digital marketing, if I were to ask? That's a very interesting and funny story. So when I was a teenager, I did not really know what I wanted to do. I was very fascinated by the advertising industry. But we're talking, you know, madman age, Don Drape, the whole creative aspect around it. But I slowly saw in high school, there was a shift between the traditional media advertisement and slowly moving into digital advertisement. Social media started to become big. You know, Facebook, I remember Facebook became big in around 2006, 2007, I believe. 
in Sweden. And so with that, I started to get more and more interested in it. But what I would say was the big thing, the big influence in my life that made me go, oh, I like advertisement, but I need to digitalize myself and go more digital was that my stepdad worked in the digital industry. Okay. And I swear, everybody that I've told this don't remember this, but my stepdad has something called a hand palm, which is a tiny, it was, imagine the first editions of what an iPad would be. It's a mix between a smartphone because it's too big for being a smartphone, but it's also too small for being an iPad and there's no color and obviously a lot of, you know, it's a very, very old edition of an in-between, a smartphone and an iPad. And he would have all of these different devices, you know, everything from his smartphones to laptops to this hand pump that I would be playing with. Mm. So all of these different devices and everything, when I saw him working with it, when I saw him having it, and he would always give me the old devices when he was done with something and got something new, he would always give me the old one. That just got me more and more interested in the digital industry. So I was lucky enough that when I graduated from high school, there was a program at Stockholm University a bachelor's program that had started and it was called IT and marketing communication. And I remember going to my parents saying, this could could not be more perfect for what I'm looking to do in the future. And partly they understood it. Partly they asked, what exactly is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was still new new back then, right? Yes, still very, very new back then. I mean, I, like I said, Facebook had just started to be big. We were still, I think, using MSN Messenger. It was not a big thing back then. So my parents were kind of concerned going, you know, yeah, it's great that you're getting a bachelor's, but what exactly is IT and marketing? Like, what can you do with that? And the funny story was, I didn't even know myself. All I knew was, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to study. And I want to do something with it in the future. Little did I know that it was going to be so big. But I remember one of the first seminars that I went to where there was one professor, and he said one thing that really, really fascinated me and made me believe in the digital industry. He said that for every year that we've seen so far far since 1998, for every year, the digital industry has become 10 times faster. Mm -hmm. So we already see that fast movements. And if I would have the same professor speaking today, he would not say 10 times faster. He would probably say 100 times faster. Wow. That is what really inspired me. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I think you got in it at the right time, right? So this brings me to my next question, you, which you've already touched upon a bit um, about the future of the space or the digital marketing space. So if you're saying that you see this growing like easily, right, 10, 20, 100 times faster, what do you see? What would be your prognosis about the future of the digital marketing space for people out there who are thinking of getting into the space and have, like, say, some interest in the digital marketing industry? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I unfortunately might be slightly biased coming from a very, very data-driven company. So let's be fair there. But from what I see after working with Google and a lot of other advertisers and channels and the discussions that we've had over the past few years, for years, we've been talking about automation, machine learning, AI. We've been talking about that for a very, very long time. In the Mm -hmm. beginning, a few years ago, five years ago, when I would have that discussion with my clients, they would be extremely intimidated because all they could see was... I Am Legends movie and, you know, Minority Report and all of the movies where robots would take over. But now we're starting to understand that that's the new way of working. Machine is a lot, lot, lot faster than the human brain. 
and that that is the future of marketing. So now we're reaching a place where we're starting to understand machine learning and starting to understand how important automation and machine learning and AI is. Yeah. So what I would say would be a next step is really to find a synergy between the different channels. Because okay. from what I see, all different channels are using different methodologies around this. And the difficult part for the advertisers, the biggest challenge that they're finding is trying to measure the impact between these different channels, understanding the customer journey, understanding the customer lifetime value, understanding how to incorporate offline measurements. Because like I mentioned, online is not just something that you necessarily solidly do. It could also be a huge complement to an offline business, no matter what industry that is. So understanding how to incorporate that offline measurement into online, but also how to be respectful with the customer's privacy when we do all of this. It's extremely challenging. Yeah. So we need to both respect the users, but at the same time, try to understand the users. So measurement is definitely going to be of essence. Yeah, yeah. I like that last part where you said we need to respect and understand them at the same time which can also be a good thing and a challenge, right? So how do you respect Absolutely. and understand at the same time? But yeah, interesting stuff. So because I get a lot of questions about this space, people asking me, so what is digital marketing? What should I do in there? But I'm really happy that you've really dissected <laughs> um, <laughs> what digital marketing actually is and what you think about when, if we look, let's say, 10, 20, 30 years from now. And so now I'm going to deep dive a bit into actually... If someone wants to get into a digital marketing space, right, what would your yeah. advice be? What it is that you would say, okay, yeah, hey, if you want to get to digital marketing space, this is what you should do. This is how you should do it. Or what advice would you give someone who wants to get into this space? I'm glad you're asking that question because that is one thing that I'm still learning okay. despite all of these years. Well, you need to understand what digital marketing, you know, I just mentioned how fast that industry is. It's mm. extremely fast and a lot of new things happen all the time. Whenever a manager have asked me, so Ida, what do you want to do within the next five years? I always say, I don't even know if my role is going to be available, what I want to do in the next five years, or if there's another role that hasn't really been invented by the time it's five years, because they're, you know, it's extremely broad and it's extremely fast. Yeah. So what I would say to people who want to get into the digital industry is I'll give the same advice as one of my directors gave me. And this really comes to anything. It's not just the digital industry, but it's extremely important when you work with the digital industry. Understand what it is that you are already good at and okay. make sure that you maximize it within there because digital industry, digital marketing, it's extremely huge. You can be working with performance-driven marketing. You can be working with search engine optimization. You can be working with video creatives or anything creative. There's so many things that you can do within digital marketing so what's extremely important is something that I wish that I did at an early stage in my career. It's to understand what is it that I'm already good at? Is it that I'm creative? Am I a data-driven, you know, data-crunching analytical person? Do I like to program things? Am I going to be an engineer? Because my education was extremely broad. I learned everything from programming to data analysis to brand marketing to how to be creative. And you need to understand which ones of these am I good at? Mm -hmm. And make sure you maximize that, really niche yourself within that. It took way too long for me to understand that I'm not a very analytical person, despite working for a data-driven company. I'm not a very analytical person. I lack when it comes to analyzing things in micro. I'm very good at macro. 
Mm-hmm. I'm good at looking at things in a holistic view. But when it comes to really picture, going, yeah. exactly, exactly, which is really important. But the other aspect is really important as well. So I would rather work with someone who is extremely analytical, who is way more data-driven and into detail, who can really analyze every single number and really number crunch going nitty-gritty into detail and say, oh, this one right here is not working well. Well, me, I'm way more into looking at things at the holistic level, the overall picture, like you said, the big picture. Yeah. Where yeah. are we and where do we go from here? So yeah, really maximize what you're already good at instead of trying to be good at things you're not good at. How about, let's say someone is coming from a traditional space, right? Let's say someone studied, um, I don't know, mechanical engineering then wants to get into a digital marketing space. So you mentioned things like search engine optimization, performance marketing, and all those kind of stuff, right? So if I am coming from a mechanical engineering space and I want to get into digital marketing, I know there are a lot of information out there. So what would you say? Should I just immerse myself into learning how these things work? For example, with search engine optimization, I say, okay, I get really get good at this. And then see, okay, can I find any company willing to get my services? How would you look at it in general? Again, I think what people need to understand is that even though you haven't worked with digital marketing, you can still get into the industry and still learn a lot just by using what you already have. So if you are a data engineer, then you're probably very good at, for example, search engine optimization, or you will be good at data crunching and analytical aspect. I'm, I'm just giving examples. I'm not really an engineer myself. But what I'm saying is look at what you're already good at. What is it that you enjoy? Why is it that you want to get into the digital marketing industry? And then start from there. Because if okay. someone who I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that someone who is an engineer won't be able to be a video graphic for online video. That's not what I'm saying here. It could be so that this person has a great interest within that. An interest, you should never underestimate an interest. Yeah. Mm. So it could be so that you have a huge interest within something and you have a passion for something and you feel like, oh, I am an engineer, but hey, I want to go into the creative aspect. I want to learn more about that. And do not underestimate how much material there is out there. I mean, I, again, I'm not trying to be biased because I work for Google, but the amount of how-to videos there are on YouTube, you can probably get my entire bachelor's just by going into to go. <laughs> that is, how that do is true. I, yeah, how do I do brand marketing? How do I, you know, all of these? There's so many how-tos from people who are professionals yes. who really have a huge passion and want to teach others. So looking at their videos is a great start, and then you can move on. You know, start from there, get some inspiration, and then you can move on from. Okay, where do I go from here? What was it that I was really interested in? And then yeah. continue growing in that aspect. Yeah, yeah. Great tips there, right? Especially on <laughs> with the YouTube route. So you've mentioned YouTube, right? So YouTube is one of the ways you can actually learn. Are there some other resources, maybe books that you've read in the past um, that you said really helped you to become good at what you do today that you would like to share with us? Absolutely. I mean... As I mentioned before, I'm a brand geek. I love brand marketing. Mm. So definitely Byron Sharp's How Brands Grow. That is that is the one-on-one book. I mean, any person within marketing would tell you, if they would mention one book, that would probably be the book that they would tell you to read. Okay. It's absolutely amazing. But that is within marketing, right? Yeah. So if I would say 
life optimization and you know how I am good with negotiations and things like that, I've come to learn that microfacial expressions or facial expressions in general, you know, one of my managers once said, Ida, IQ is something you learn, EQ is something you have and develop. Yes. And that is very true. But there are mm-hmm. certain resources that can help you improve your EQ. And one of them is definitely to understand the body language, because we say so much just with our facial expressions and body expressions. So one thing that I've studied for a few years is Paul Ekman, Paul Ekman Group, because he is a professor and global expert within microfacial expressions. Okay. And he talked about, he talks a lot about, you know, the universal facial expressions that no matter where you come from, you have these. And I've read a lot of his, his books to understand when I'm speaking to someone, you know, both understanding from a cultural aspect and understanding their thoughts. And I'm not saying that I'm reading them like a book, you know, not everything is literal and especially not facial expressions, but it does help me a lot to understand people. And the third thing, this might be a cliche, but Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, I mean, it was one of the best books that I've read. And I think I've read it multiple times. And I did read it during a time when I was extremely stressed and overwhelmed because I realized that, hey, I'm actually putting my energy in the wrong area, in the wrong field. So that book helped me a lot just to understand that, hey, there's so much more to just work. You need to enjoy life as well. And you can have both. It's possible. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Great. I I think I'm going to go to Amazon after this session (laughs) and get myself one of those books, right? (laughs) You should. You should. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So before we close, right, I have just some final questions to ask you. Is there something you know today that you wish you would have known back then once when you started your career that you would like to share? Oh, absolutely. There's multiple things. Where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just just give us one. (laughs) Yeah, without sounding too old with that. But I would definitely say that, you know, never underestimate your self-worth. It is a tough industry. And, you know, no matter what industry you go in, never underestimate your self-worth. That is something that I wish that I knew early on, that I understood early on, that it's not necessarily about your competence, what is on your resume. Because even as a junior, as a postgrad coming straight from university, you still have a lot of things within you that you learned by experience that wasn't necessarily work experience. So never underestimate, no matter where you are in life, what stage you're at, how much experience you have or how little experience you have, never underestimate your self-worth. Yeah, being very, very (laughs) philosophical, but it is true. I wish that I knew that starting off, in this industry and in my career, there were a few times where I doubted that. And that was because when I was looking in on my resume versus, you know, someone who's more senior, I was looking at my tenure, I was looking at experience, I was looking at, you know, why would they want to hire me for this specific project? Because I don't have that much experience. Yeah. But at the same time, I had great social ability. I'm great at connecting with people. I'm good at stakeholder relationship building and, you know, relationship management, all of that. And that's not necessarily something that you can have in your resume. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And networking and using your social aspects, that can take you so far. You know, someone can naturally be analytical. Someone can naturally be good with relationships. Someone can naturally have a lot of different competence that you don't necessarily can put 
on a resume black on white. Yeah. But it will take you extremely far. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, this is really top one, right? Never underestimate your self-worth. It can really take you far. Uh, it, it's something yeah. we all struggle with, right? And, and I wish that uh, hopefully this is something we can learn that is really important to self-esteem. Self-esteem is really important and, and something that we should take very seriously. Thanks Absolutely. For, thanks, thanks I, I always, up. Yeah, I always say, you know, stay humble, but stay proud. <laughs> stay curious. Yeah, exactly. And have resilience because point A to point B is never a straight line. Yeah. Yeah, might get tough on the way, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, Aida, I really want to ask this question, right? So you're into martial, you're into martial arts. <laughs> like, <laughs> how come? <laughs> yeah, I'm a tiny little, you know, 50 kilo girl, but I'm a tough cookie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, that is very true. I've been doing martial arts on and off since I was 13 years old. And the way that it started was... Before I was 13, I was doing a lot of dancing and music. I was very much into, you know, like I said, the cultural aspects. But I kind of reached a point where my parents were a bit afraid of, you know, what if something would ever happen to her and we would be there to protect her? You know, she needs to learn to protect herself and also to boost my confidence because, you know, teenage girl confidence wasn't the best part of my life. So they decided to send me to do karate classes. And I was a bit resilient to it, but the first class I was immediately hooked. Okay. I was absolutely immediately hooked. I wanted to continue doing it. And even the teacher said immediately that he saw that passion in me. So I started with karate when I was 13. I did my first competition when I was, I think it was 14 or 15. And I got a bronze medal in Shudokan karate back then. Mm. So did that for a little while and then I did kickboxing and then that evolved to Brazilian jiu-jitsu and then I did a amateur competition in that as well and got a bronze medal and then I went from Brazilian jiu-jitsu to exploring wow. MMA so I was doing mixed martial art cage fighting <laughs> I wouldn't want to mess around right <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually enter a cage but every time I say MMA people look at me and go cage fighting you and I'm like well Uh, (laughs) and then moving to Dublin for Google unfortunately I never had time to compete but I decided to go to traditional boxing so I've been doing that for the past few years but have to exclude the past year because of the pandemic of course but it's a huge passion of mine wow huge I love it impressive impressive um yeah I have to be careful every around you Uh, but but really impressive crazy stuff yeah Thanks for, Thank you. Thanks for sharing this with us. It's the final question, right? I know I've been saying final questions for the past um, <laughs> three times already. It's just, I wish I can just keep on going, right, Aida? But, you can um, keep going. <laughs> I got plenty of time and I'm really enjoying this conversation. Yeah, yeah, me too. Is that something that you would like to share with us that I, I wasn't able to ask you, right? That you think, okay, it's valuable for our listeners um, to get? Hmm. Well, I would say... You know, one one thing that is extremely relevant for times like this, you know, I did just briefly mention stay humble, yet proud, stay curious, but have resilience. Yeah. Because there will be times that point A to point B is never a straight line. Mm-hmm. And that's something I, that I tell a lot of. I'm very transparent with failures in my life because I don't want to call them failures. I'm going to call them learnings. Yeah. 
So when I speak to people who are young professionals, one thing that I always say is, you know, oftentimes when we, maybe including this, I don't know, Dan, but when we speak to professionals, we always go, you know, how did you succeed? How did you achieve this? (laughs) You know, how did you, how did you do this and this and that and that? But what everybody needs to understand is point A to point B is never, ever, ever going to be a straight line. I don't know a single person that I've spoken to who have never said, I failed with that, but I learned a lot. Or, you know, I did have a time in my career where the personal life took over or something big happens. I mean, right now we're we're in the pandemic. Who knew that this was going to happen? Nobody could predict that. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing that I always tell people, and especially younger people who are just about to enter their career, is that, you know, we oftentimes look at young professionals who have achieved a lot, me included, maybe because of the NOBA 111 list or the fact that I'm working at Google. But be nice to yourself. Be yeah. kind to yourself. One time I had this mistake that happened to me or not mistake, but I had something happening to me that was, it created a gap in my career where I couldn't Mm -hmm. perform as highly because life happens. And one of my friends said, you still have about 30 years of your career. Why are you rushing? (laughs) Exactly. And it's so true because we oftentimes think that, oh my God, life is going to be over after 30. And if I haven't achieved so much before I'm 30 or 35, then nobody's going to want to have me after that's not true yeah that is not true point a to point b is not a straight line there would be multiple times where you would be disappointed where you would have a mistake where you would fail at something and it's okay so make sure to have resilience and grit i think resilience grit and being ambiguous are extremely important uh personality traits that everyone should have yeah yeah and and it's a marathon right it's not a sprint like if you're going to retire at 65, right, and you're 30 now, you still have, what, 35 years <laughs> to exactly. to make a difference. So why rush? Really good stuff. Thanks a lot. I like those lines, right? Be nice to yourself and be kind to yourself. Um, this is really great, great stuff. Aida, as I said, right, I could keep on asking you a lot of questions because I really enjoyed <laughs> this conversation. Thank but, but you. Really, thanks. Thanks a lot for sharing this with us. Thanks a lot for sharing your experience, your failures, your your successes, enlightening us a bit about digital marketing. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners know a bit more now about digital marketing. And I'm definitely going to so. go get the book, How Brands Grow. I still struggle to read, yeah. <laughs> but but I'm working on it, right? So I'm working on it. I'm working on my reading habits. Well, and, and I'm definitely going to read that book. I have what one you heard? that I got. It's called um, the brand, the story brand. So oh, that's a new one it's, for me. It's it's a really good book for when you, for example, for yeah, if you have a website or you have a digital business, how to attract your best customers, right? So it's a really good book as well. Mm -hmm. So I thought when you said how brands grow, I was like, oh, maybe that's similar to the story brand. But the story brand is also a very good book that could be interesting as well in general. Well, the only tip that I would have is if you don't like to read, like I mentioned before, because I read three years for a bachelor's degree and I just said that there's probably summaries of my bachelor's on YouTube, right? So if you don't like to read, check out on YouTube. There's probably someone who's done a review or a summary of the book as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. Thanks a lot, Aida. I hope we stay in touch. Ah, before we go, how can people just reach out to you on LinkedIn to connect? That would be absolutely fine. 
Absolutely. Yeah. There's only one Ida Ogabi on LinkedIn. <laughs> Because there's only one in the world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, stay humble, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's very easy to to reach me on LinkedIn because it's really just one Ida Gabby. The difficult part would in that case be the spelling and not the name. So find I'll, me on I'll, LinkedIn. I'll, I'll put a link on the show notes so it's yes. easier for them to find your LinkedIn. But awesome, right? Yes. Thanks a lot, Ida. It was really great having a chat with you. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you once again for listening to today's episode. If you got any value from this podcast, please hit the subscribe button to stay updated when new episodes are published. Oh, and remember, sharing is caring. Share the podcast with a friend to make sure he or she is not missing out. And as always, you can find all the tools and the templates you need on blisscareer.de. Until then, I wish you a wonderful time ahead. Bye-bye and stay safe.